Welcome to Treadmill Talks with Shannon Maves, a podcast for athletes and fitness enthusiasts to pass the time during mind-numbing cardio while I use my no-bullshit coaching style to educate, inspire, and entertain. I'm your host, Shannon Maves. Now let's walk and talk. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Treadmill Talks. After sharing my personal struggles with hormone imbalances and weight gain back in 2018, I wanted to take this opportunity to share exactly what I learned from that experience as far as how hormones are affected by extreme diets. I'm going to cover the hunger hormones that I mentioned in that episode, leptin and ghrelin, but I'm also going to discuss a few other hormones that can be affected pretty significantly from contest prep or any extreme diet. The first one I want to go over is one that is discussed a bit more frequently than leptin and ghrelin, and that is cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Cortisol tends to be thought of as being this horrible monster that you need to keep away at all times. But the truth is, we still need some amount of cortisol to function. Yes, too much cortisol can be harmful, and I'll get into that in just a second, But cortisol is necessary for regulating stress as well as metabolism. It also helps to suppress inflammation, regulate blood pressure and blood sugar levels, and it also plays a huge role in our sleep-wake cycle or our circadian rhythm. Cortisol is known as our stress hormone because it is released when we are under any type of stress, whether that be acute stress from something like barely avoiding a car accident chronic stress from work, traumatic stress from a life-threatening experience, or physical stress from working out. Yes, working out causes stress and increases cortisol, which is why too much exercise can actually be detrimental to progress and rest is key for recovery. When we are in a stressful situation, we go into that fight or flight mode and our body releases adrenaline and cortisol to keep us on high alert by releasing glucose or sugar from our liver to use as quick energy. And because cortisol plays a role in releasing glucose to use as energy, it counterbalances the effects of insulin, which under normal circumstances is a good thing because it helps to regulate blood sugar levels. But chronic stress and chronically elevated levels of cortisol means that too much glucose can be released, which can impair insulin levels and lead to things like type 2 diabetes. And when it comes to inflammation, some amount of cortisol actually helps to reduce inflammation. But when stress is chronically high, and therefore cortisol is chronically high, our body acclimates to the high stress and it can create more inflammation. So how is cortisol affected during an extreme fat loss phase like a competition prep? Well, as I mentioned before, exercise is a physical stressor on the body. And while some amount of exercise can help to lower stress, too much exercise elevates it. And when we are in a competition prep or just trying to lose weight at an aggressive rate, we generally increase our activity levels quite a bit. Couple that with significantly reduced calories being stressful on the body and some mental stressing over scale weight, plus whatever other life stressors are already going on, and we have created a perfect recipe for chronically high cortisol levels, which can make fat loss a lot harder, 
gaining and maintaining muscle more challenging, and it can negatively impact sleep quality too. Our circadian rhythm is affected a lot by cortisol because kind of like how female sex hormones go through a monthly cycle, cortisol and melatonin go through a daily cycle. Cortisol actually peaks right before you wake up in the morning and gradually goes down throughout the day, reaching its lowest levels in the evening before you go to sleep when melatonin is at its highest. And sleep is what our body needs to be able to regulate other hormones as well. Which leads me to the next hormone I want to discuss, melatonin. Even though most people think about melatonin as being our sleep hormone, cortisol really goes hand in hand with it, being that they play off of each other. Melatonin is kind of the counterpart to cortisol because they work in opposition to each other. When cortisol is higher, melatonin is lower. And when melatonin is higher, cortisol is lower. It's a daily cycle. And melatonin is produced in our brain in response to darkness. So people who work odd hours and don't see much daylight or people who spend a lot of time looking at screens at night often suffer from insomnia despite maybe normal levels of cortisol. So a lot of these types of people will supplement with melatonin to help them sleep. And this is something that I have actually changed my mind on over the years. Years ago, when I worked nights at the restaurant, I would take melatonin to help me sleep, not having any sort of understanding what it was that I was actually putting into my body. I thought it was like a mineral or some shit that I just wasn't getting enough of because of my lifestyle choices. I had no idea it was a fucking hormone. Once I started getting more into fitness and wellness and all of that, I realized that melatonin supplements are actually a synthetic hormone. And when you take synthetic hormones, it can suppress your body's ability to be able to release those hormones naturally, which can create dependency on the supplement, not to mention fucked up hormones. So I went from taking it all the time to cold turkey. Nope, not a, not going to take it. Fuck that shit. Which honestly wasn't really a bad thing because I did get my shit a lot more balanced. But here's where I've changed my mind. Although I do still think that melatonin supplements should only be used as kind of a last resort. Nowadays, I'm a bit more open-minded about it. And I don't think there's much harm in taking it occasionally if your sleep hygiene is on point. Because as with practically everything else I teach, everything is fine in moderation. I think that if you're doing everything you can to maintain a good circadian rhythm, like avoiding blue light at night, not eating too soon before bed, etc., and you really need melatonin maybe once or twice per week, perhaps on nights that you know you might have more trouble sleeping, then it's not going to be too harmful. Or if your menstrual cycle is regular and you know that there are certain times of the month that sleep is more of a struggle, then it can be good to be proactive about it and maybe supplement with some melatonin. But I definitely don't recommend taking it on a daily basis. So how is melatonin affected by competition prep and extreme diets? Well, as we all know, sleep is key for recovery. And since melatonin is our sleep hormone, it's going to affect our recovery a lot. But when we are deep into an extreme fat loss phase, our stress levels can get very high due to the increase in physical activity. 
And since cortisol is the stress hormone that counteracts melatonin, high cortisol levels can suppress the release of melatonin, which can make sleep more of a challenge. And a lot of times competition prep means more frequent training too, which can mean having to train in the afternoons and evenings, which releases cortisol at a time of day when it should be starting to lower, which will also prevent the release of melatonin. So again, cortisol and melatonin really go pretty hand in hand as far as our sleep-wake cycle goes. And sleep is super important during a fat loss phase, being that it is when our body recovers from training and regulates other hormones as well, leptin and ghrelin being two of them. And I'm going to discuss the two of these together, being that they are each other's counterparts. They are indeed opposites, but they are both considered our hunger hormones. Leptin is our satiety hormone. It is the hormone that our body releases when we have eaten enough food, signaling to our brain that we are full. It's also directly linked to the amount of body fat we have, which will be important information here in just a second. Ghrelin is our hunger hormone. It is released in our stomach and is what signals to our brain that we are hungry and need to eat. And a quick little trick to remember the difference between these two is that ghrelin is a growling sound, like when our stomach is hungry. But okay, remember how in last week's episode I mentioned that my hunger was absolutely insatiable after doing an extreme cut in my prep in 2018? I would literally just eat and eat and eat and eat and never feel full. I was always hungry no matter what or how much food I ate. Well, this was because my leptin and ghrelin had become completely fucked due to the rapid fat loss I had just experienced. Because like I mentioned just a second ago, leptin is directly linked to the amount of body fat we have. And leptin's job is to tell us when we are full. But if body fat is super low, then leptin isn't able to do its job very well. And it never signals to our brain that we feel satisfied even if we just ate. And as the counterpart to leptin, ghrelin gets high when leptin is low. So not only does extreme fat loss cause us to feel like we're never satisfied, but it also makes us feel constantly hungry. And this is something that for some stupid fucking reason isn't discussed very much, especially during post-show reverse diets. At this point, I think most competitors have heard that following a reverse diet is crucial during the few months post-show. But so many athletes and even coaches don't actually understand why it's so important. Sure, it does have a lot to do with psychological reasons. It can be harder to adhere to your plan when you don't have something like a show date motivating you to stay on track. And it can be a mental struggle to watch the lines start to fade as calories get higher. But what doesn't seem to be well understood, or at least not discussed, is the physiological reason why reverse dieting is so important after an extreme cut. And that's largely in part of the effect that it has on things like leptin and ghrelin. A lot of competitors struggle with feeling like they are weak-minded after a show and can be really hard on themselves because they're becoming extremely food-focused and struggling to stay on their plan because hunger is just insatiable. And then they might have a coach who's just like, suck it up and doesn't explain to them that everything they're experiencing is completely normal 
and temporary. Because that's the thing about competing. Sure, there are some potential negative effects on hormones, but they're all temporary if you have the right systems in play. Once food gets higher and body fat gets to a more sustainable level, leptin and ghrelin will level back out. But at what point that happens does depend a lot on how well you execute your reverse diet. And this is one of many reasons why I require my athletes to work with me for a minimum of eight weeks post-show. I want to be there to support them not only mentally and emotionally, but physically as well during a time when hormones are downregulated and their metabolism needs to be brought back up in the healthiest way possible. Not only do you need to be strategic with your reverse diet to re-regulate hunger hormones, but sex hormones as well, because they can also take a huge hit from something like a competition prep, especially testosterone. Estrogen and progesterone can be negatively affected as well, but testosterone can tank especially hard during an extreme cut. And while it is thought of as being the male sex hormone, women produce testosterone as well, just not as much as men. But we still need testosterone to be able to grow and maintain lean mass, as well as regulate our moods and our menstrual cycles. And when we diet super hard, testosterone often gets a lot lower, making it harder to maintain the muscle we've worked so hard to build during improvement season. And this downregulation of sex hormones can throw off our menstrual cycles and significantly reduce sex drive both of which are topics I feel really need to be discussed a lot more openly because they are so prevalent in the bodybuilding world. Amenorrhea, which is the absence of a menstrual cycle, is super common with female competitors, but I think it doesn't get discussed enough due to some amount of shame associated with it, as well as a lack of understanding. And in case you aren't aware, most competitors are not having a ton of sex when they're deep into competition prep because not only are they exhausted from training so hard and being in such a steep caloric deficit, but the lower testosterone that goes along with it makes sex pretty low on their list of priorities. But you know what? While I'm on the topic of sex, I want to mention something else because I really just give zero fucks and wish that our society would open up more about shit like periods and sex. So I'm going to throw this out there. Earlier, we covered how cortisol can get too high during prep. And now I've mentioned that sex drive can get pretty low during prep. Well, here's a fun little tip for you. Orgasms reduce cortisol. So don't withhold sex from your significant other just because you're tired during prep. Fucking fake it till you make it. And then thank me later when you have a new low way in the next day from all of the stress that your body just released. <laughs> now, the last hormone I want to mention is one that can get fucked during prep, like super fucked, if you're not careful. And that's your thyroid. Okay, so your thyroid isn't actually a hormone. It's a gland that produces hormones. But your thyroid essentially controls the speed of your metabolism. And when you've been dieting super hard, your thyroid is going to start to slow down, meaning your metabolism is going to start to slow down. This is going to make it a lot harder to lose those last few pounds. And it might mean having to push food super fucking low in order to get truly stage lean. Is it great from a health perspective? 
absolutely not. But for some people, it's the name of the game when it comes to being truly competitive in this sport. And when your thyroid slows down, it can really fuck up your entire body. Because a downregulated thyroid has the ability to create a whole mess of issues like exhaustion, depression, constipation, brain fog, cold sensitivity, hair loss, and it can also mess with periods and sex drive. And that's just a quick summary of how much your thyroid affects. But like I said earlier, all of this negative hormone stuff can be corrected later on, which is why it is so imperative to take improvement seasons. Because if you're just doing prep after prep after prep and never giving your body a chance to re-regulate these hormones, you're going to perpetually down-regulate your thyroid, which is going to slow your metabolism, meaning that you are going to have to eat less and less food every time you prep. And that is going to be hard to bounce back from. Which brings me back to the importance of reverse dieting. Let's recap a bit first, though. After competition prep is over, you've got high cortisol, which is hindering recovery and suppressing the release of melatonin, which is making it hard to sleep. And that sleep deprivation is hindering your body's ability to produce leptin and ghrelin, which are also getting out of whack because of all the body fat you've lost, which is throwing off all of your body's natural hunger cues and your sex hormones are tanked from the low calories and the lack of sleep, making it more difficult to maintain the muscle that you've built. And now your thyroid has slowed, which means your metabolism has slowed, digestion is off, and you're feeling depressed. Sounds like a perfect recipe for some serious rebound waking. If you're not careful. No, not every competitor is going to experience everything I've discussed. There are enough athletes out there who are able to maintain their periods for their entire prep and manage things like stress and hunger just fine. Everybody is different. And as I've mentioned, a lot of this is preventable. And you can correct all of this shit with the proper plan in place. But if you're under the impression that you only need a coach to get you ready for show day, and then you can do whatever the fuck you want after the show is over, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Because post-show is a lot harder than prep in a lot of ways. And oftentimes competitors might think they're fine after competing, because we can't see the hormonal damage that has been done, but there very well might be some serious shit going on internally, which is why it is so important to have a coach guide you during a time that your body is in such a fragile state. And it's why remaining stage lean year round is not recommended. Not only are you going to be fucking miserable trying to maintain such a lean physique, But the longer you keep your hormones in such a shitty place, the harder it's going to be to correct them. As I mentioned earlier, something that I do that unfortunately a lot of other coaches do not do is require my athletes to work with me for a minimum of eight weeks post-show. And this isn't because I'm just trying to squeeze more money out of you. 
It's because I actually give a shit about you as a person. Your physical and mental health is far more important to me than how much money I can make or how many athletes I can put on stage. So if you're looking for a competition coach who isn't afraid to push you hard enough to bring a truly competitive physique to the stage while also giving a shit about your well-being, then I'm your girl. I will never bullshit you or blow off your questions by telling you shit like, just trust the process. Should you trust the process? Yes, for sure. But you should also question the process and have a good, solid understanding of what you're putting your body through. Because while bodybuilding is a beautiful combination of science, sport, and art, there are some potential downsides to it, just like there are with any other sport. If you're interested in working with me as your competition coach, click the link in the show notes to apply. And thanks again for listening to my treadmill talk. Thank you for listening to Treadmill Talks. If this episode taught you something, lit a fire under your ass, or at least helped you forget how long you've been walking in place, please leave a review or take a screenshot to share on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at Shannon Maves so I can give you some love right back. And thanks again for listening to my treadmill talk.